Pick a reporter, please. You could pick a reporter, a Baltic reporter, ideally. <laughs> Real news, not fake news. Go ahead. President Trump jumped to the defense of Sinclair Broadcasting. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous uh, yeah, yeah, to our uh, democracy. Uh, Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man with the unlimited power to pardon anybody who might testify against him, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. So one of the ways you know you're in a democratic country is that there's a healthy independent media. One of the ways you know if you're not in a genuinely democratic country is that independent media is absent or endangered. There's official or unofficial state media and there may be media representing opposition parties or groups, but journalists who speak for the public interest are scarce or non-existent. Sinclair Broadcast Group is the kind of media you get in a non-democracy. It's news created by allies of the president in support of the president. Jared Kushner bragged to a business group during the 2016 campaign that he made a deal with Sinclair, access to Trump in exchange for its reporters not asking any hard questions. Not that a Sinclair journalist would ask Trump any hard questions and not be fired for it. Sinclair's chief political analyst is a former Trump advisor named Boris Epstein, a stranger to both political analysis and journalism. Its 170 stations receive must-run notices requiring their local anchors to repeat the latest Trump propaganda verbatim. If you haven't seen it, Go online and watch the Deadspin video of Sinclair anchors parroting an editorial accusing other media of being extremely dangerous to democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is As John Oliver put it on Sunday night, nothing says we value independent media like dozens of reporters forced to repeat the same message over and over again like members of a brainwashed cult. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. It's like Fox, but it's scripted catechism with a pretense that it's somehow local and not national. Unfortunately, you can't deal with Sinclair just by changing the channel. The company's political influence is helping it push through a takeover of the Tribune company's TV stations that violates longstanding rules designed to limit ownership of local TV. Its propaganda is becoming ubiquitous, and to coin a phrase, extremely dangerous to democracy. I'll be back to talk to Eric Wemple of The Washington Post about Sinclair's banal menace right after we do the tweets. I am right about Amazon costing the United States Post Office massive amounts of money for being their delivery boy. Amazon should pay these costs plus and not have them borne by the American taxpayer. Many billions of dollars post office leaders don't have a clue. Or do they? Check out the fact that you can't get a job at ratings-challenged CNN unless you state that you are totally anti-Trump. Little Jeff Zucker, whose job is in jeopardy, 
is not having much fun lately. They should clean up and strengthen CNN and get back to honest reporting. The fake news networks, those that knowingly have a sick and biased agenda, are worried about the competition and quality of Sinclair broadcast. The fakers at CNN, NBC, ABC, and CBS have done so much dishonest reporting that they should only be allowed to get awards for fiction. So funny to watch fake news networks among the most dishonest groups of people I've ever dealt with criticize Sinclair Broadcasting for being biased. Sinclair is far superior to CNN and even more fake NBC, which is a total joke. Joining me on the line from Washington is Eric Wemple. He writes a blog about media for the Washington Post. Eric, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Lots to lots to talk about. I don't know if you're in the Washington Post newsroom right now, but I'm wondering actually how people in the newsroom feel about this latest attack from Trump, who says they're not journalists; they're lobbyists for Amazon. Well, you know, I haven't talked to uh, to many folks about that, um, but I think that at this point, I think it's safe to say that people are pretty much inured to this sort of uh, drumbeat. Uh, you know, I think that this may have <laughs> may have gotten a big reaction and a lot of chatter uh, a couple of years ago on the campaign trail when he did similar sort of attacks. But there's a routine routineness to all this at this point. Right. I mean, there there's always a question about whether to give Trump the attention he wants mm-hmm. for his sort of naughty tweets and bad behavior. At the same time, you know, and, and it is, and these are things he said before, assuming that there's no difference between Bezos and Amazon and the Washington Post and threatening it. But, you know, two things were maybe different this time. One was there was a real impact. I mean, Amazon's yes. stock has yes, dropped. Right. So people, investors at least, perceive that the president is in a position to do some kind of meaningful economic damage to Amazon by threatening antitrust action or investigation at the state level or whatever it is. And then the other aspect of it is it seems to be a pretty concerted attack on independent media. I mean, this isn't the only thing that's been he's been going after this week. He's been going after CNN and and then on the other hand, upholding uh, Sinclair, this sort of second prop- <laughs> tier propaganda organization after Fox as the model of the media he wants. So there is a kind of we put all things together. You kind of think this guy's going after all the real independent media and would like to replace it with state media. Yeah, no, I, I I was trying to draw a distinction there. I, I think that there's a shrug just in terms of like the in in office gossip. I think it's all worth covering and it's very important to cover. And you know, the Amazon thing, you know, you're talking about a lot of factual allegations there about Amazon and its deal with the uh, United uh, States Postal Service. Um, he was wrong about that stuff. You know, he called the USPS a delivery boy for Amazon and you know, the US Postal Service is a delivery vehicle. I mean, that's what they do. <laughs> um, you know, they're delivery boy for me and you, too, if you want to use that term. So, you know, there was a tremendous amount of stuff to write about here. There's no 
question about it. And, uh, Jake, I would say, too, that even when it's just the bad behavior and even when it's just the hollow fake news stories, those, that, those tweets deserve pushback, too, because, as you see, the Monmouth poll, there's a Knight Foundation poll, just all this recent stuff shows that Trump is gaining traction with his attacks on the media. More and more people believe in this myth of the fake news media. And so, you know, you've got to push back on all of it because the, the, the numbers of people who believe in exactly what he's saying about the media, those are going up. And, you know, you can say, well, they're going to go up no matter what you do. But if you just sit on your hands, uh, I feel you're not doing your job. So I do think that there's a lot to talk about. Uh, the Sinclair thing, just to, just to get the facts down, is, relates to a, um, a script that the Sinclair, head, Sinclair headquarters circulated to its 173 uh, stations saying you must repeat this verbatim on the air, and the, the stations complied. It looked totalitarian. I mean, it looked like, it you know, it I did. think John Oliver said brainwashed, a brainwashed cult, but it was, it was creepy looking. But, I mean, there's sort of two pieces of context that I wanted to ask you about that I think are particularly relevant to that. I mean, one is the decline of local news. You know, local yeah. newspapers have been hit harder than any other media organizations at the local level in towns and cities across the country. There's less and less independent journalistic check on authority. And instead, you have this growing behemoth of Sinclair stations. And I think there's something like 170 of them now. So they're, in, right. a, they're in a lot of places. And in the other context is that Sinclair wants something very specific from the government, from the federal government, and from the FCC, wants to be allowed to merge with right. the Tribune Company so it can become even bigger and add another several dozen more stations, which are in really exactly big, right. big markets. About 42 stations. Uh, you got Chicago, Los Angeles, and I believe maybe Detroit in that package. Those are stations that, like, if you're NBC or ABC, you own and operate those stations because of the most lucrative. Uh, but the points you're making are all dead on, right? The newspapers have hollowed out, yet TV stations, local TV stations, remain a profitable business. And local TV stations, for the longest time, have siphoned their news from newspapers. Sinclair, you know, wants to go from 170, 173 stations to 210 and 215. I don't see how that serves the public. Um, I guess there, there's a question, perhaps, of uh, the freedom to acquire as many stations as you want. The FCC has regulations. The Justice Department is also looking at this deal. You know, Sinclair... Um, just to talk about PR and sort of business savvy here, has to be the dumbest corporation on earth. They're, <laughs> they're trying to get through the Justice Department. The Justice Department is giving them a tough look, and they distribute this thing at the same time. Now, maybe, they're, maybe they calculated that this is really smart because Trump will get involved and push the deal through. I don't know. But uh, it strikes me that it would have been really good for them to have avoided this particular embarrassment. If you look on the Facebook uh, uh, pages uh, of some of these stations, I'm, you know, like in uh, in Portland, May, excuse me, in Portland, Oregon, and throughout, they are getting destroyed by their um, by their constituents, by the people they serve. They are just getting hammered on social media for this thing. So they've drawn they've drawn attention to themselves, which comes at a bad time. On the other hand, you could say, well, look, they've already got this rigged. I mean, Ajit Pai, who's chairman of the FCC, right. has already put through this rule change that basically drops. The, the limit on the number of markets you can be in, I think it was like 38% or 39%. Right, exactly. They're pretty much yeah. at that threshold. With the Tribune, they'd be way over it. And 
Pi's already done their bidding and said, oh, we're not applying that anymore. We've got some loop, meaningless loophole th- that gives right. us the right the to not apply. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting, too, because now Ajit Pai is under investigation by the FCC Inspector General for his uh, interactions with Sinclair. This is just the Trump administration in, in, in miniature. I mean, this is an unholy mess each way you look. You know, I don't know that we are, you know, that Americans are capable of governing themselves anymore. I mean, you, you know, it's just all this, the guy who promised to end the swamp, I mean, the swamp is taking over everything. And I just, I don't see what the rationale is for this particular merger other than to make some people richer. Um, but at the same time, I think it bears noting, right, that because local television news continues to be a multi-million dollar business, there are competitors for Sinclair stations in most all these markets, right? Like where, you, I, I don't know where you grew up, but probably where you grew Chicago. up. You, right. You could, <laughs> you could turn the dial and find, you know, three, four major local television news stations. And I grew up in Schenectady, New York. I had three or four. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, wherever you, you know, all major and even and secondary and tertiary markets, you have a couple of choices, at least in local news. Now, how good is that local news? Well, maybe not that great. But the point is, you can turn the channel away from Sinclair, right? But I think that what the bigger question here is, one, that Sinclair is participating in the Trump administration's efforts to discredit uh, the media writ large in the United States. And that is a really big problem. Yeah. And I think you were, you know, getting into the issue a a minute ago when you you talked about what what a mess this was. I mean, there's a question of whether there is basic rule of law being applied around these decisions at the regulatory level around the Sinclair merger and also the flip side of it, the Time Warner proposed merger with AT&T, which the Justice Department is suing to prevent and which Trump has also been vocal about in opposition to it based on his hostility to CNN. And that's flaring up again at the moment, too. He's been going after Jeff Zucker, whose name he made a point, I think, made a point of misspelling in his latest tweet, attacking him, you know, with his nicknames of the little guy who's about to be fired. And then his campaign manager, I saw this barely even got attention given all this going on. Brad Parscall was attacking Jim Acosta, the the CNN White House correspondent, and said maybe he should have his credentials revoked. Because right. he yelled out some question at the president, which, of course, is part of what journalists do. So it's just – it's going on at, at, at every level. But the fundamental question is, is the rule of law some basic sense that these decisions about the mer- mergers are being made on the basis of rules that apply to everybody? Or is it – are we really in a situation now where if you're, where if you're on the president's side, you get what you want, and if he's angry at you, you don't? The, the, the truth about that is, is a tough one to, to game out, but the, certainly the outward signs are that we have every reason to doubt the, all of this. And the reason, one of the reasons we have to doubt all this is just how the president tweets. I mean, he tweets, he tweets about 
government business that he has no right to be tweeting about. This is most obvious in the criminal justice area, where he tweets about the Justice Department and Andrew McCabe. I don't think anybody can expect um, a fair shake uh, from the government on that level. And, you know, whether it's ATT, CNN, you know, we have this merger, proposed merger, Time Warner, um, AT&T, and he's always tweeting about CNN. I don't know if you're in the Justice Department, if you can do a fair and unbiased job of reviewing that particular proposed transaction. Um, and then you have Sinclair. Uh, he's tweeting about them in support of them. If you're Ajit Pai or one of the other people at the FCC, um, can you do a fair and unbiased job of looking at that deal, knowing what the president is doing? You know, I suppose you can, but you have to be, you have to be better. <laughs> you have to be somewhat superhuman, right? You have to be the ultimate sort of uh, vessel of integrity. And those people are not, they're, they're not accepting positions in the Trump administration. I mean, the, 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 by accepting a you know a, an appointment from Donald Trump is is about a ninety eight percent indicator of the lack of any integrity. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It is um, remarkable to watch uh, these things just evolve. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, the point you made earlier is a good point, which is that these things need to be covered and deserve to be covered, uh, even though it may may feel monotonous. Because I don't know what other solution really there is. There was this really active debate, you know, months ago, like, how do you cover the Trump White House? Do, do we need new rules? You know, did, did, you know, Jay Rosen and, and uh, the guy from Columbia Journalism Review, um, they're all talking about maybe we need new rules. And I'm not so sure that's true. I think that the, the really the response is more investment, brute force and more journalism. Um, you know, I mean, the thing and, that's frustrating on a part of this story is that when when Trump treats a, a tweet something, uh, makes a factual claim that's, that's dubious or wrong, like what he's saying about the post office subsidizing Amazon, everyone, journalists immediately go to safe ground, which is fact checking. And they say, oh, his claim is mostly wrong or it's partly true, but it's misleading or even it's total, totally wrong or there's some truth to it. And maybe we should be against Amazon for certain reasons. And that seems to me to play into his hands and miss the point, because, yes, we can have a debate about Amazon and we should. But we have to have it on another day, because when the president That's is attacking, you know, using that as a lever to attack independent media, We've got to go to the barricades and defend independent media. We've got to depend, defend the Washington Post. And that's not the place to have the conversation about the rights and wrongs of Amazon. Right. But, the, you know, when do you? Um, I mean, it, you're totally right. In other words, he is forcing the agenda. He's forcing the discussion on the topics that he likes to see discussed. I guess the I guess the only disincentive for him to do that is that it really it really robs him of any hope of pursuing an agenda. And as time goes on, I think Jake, you have to come to the to the conclusion that he doesn't much care about his agenda, such as whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? I think that it's just a a series of capers. You know, it's a series of tricks and. Uh, and how could I make people jump um, higher today than yesterday, right? I mean, I cannot conclude from what I'm seeing that there is a real, real passion for agenda and getting even his own things that he says, maybe the wall, I guess. But it strikes me that his agenda is just this stuff, you know, just charades uh, on a daily basis. 
Yeah, no, that's you're you're exactly right, Ark. I mean, we can't as journalists say, well, let's get we we're not going to cover this diversionary stuff. Let's get back to the agenda. There is no agenda. This is the agenda. The agenda is diversion and chaos and uh, stirring up phony outrage about phony issues. So you're you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because if you cover the phony issues, you're playing into his hands. And if you try to have a substantive debate, you're kind of playing into his hands because that works for him too. It, it, it all works for him. I mean, if, 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 you, if you figure that he doesn't want to read, he doesn't want to, you know, take briefings, he just wants to get attention, it's all a huge payoff uh, from his perspective. And, and you know, the, the remarkable thing about it is that, like, you know, just like if you saw him today with the, this, they had this press press moment with the Baltic um, heads of state, and there were people who wanted to ask him questions after, you know, some prepared remarks, and he couldn't help himself. He kept on answering the journalist's questions, and his press aide was like, thank you, thank you, everybody, let's proceed out the door, thank you, and then people would shout a question, he'd answer it. People, and, and, this, and this press aide had to do this like three or four or five times over, thank you, thank you, let's go, and he just kept on going. And Trump kept on answering the questions. He has, I mean, you could see the whole White House chaos in this one 15 or 20 minute session. It was just nobody is on the same page. Nobody can control him. And he'll just say what he wants. It's just, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's like that, you know, it's like the company that that only has, that can only think about the current quarter. I mean, nobody who works for him has a time horizon of longer than six months because that's the length, the average length of service anyway. I mean, they're all thinking about getting out of there alive. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's true. I mean, I I think of of the one thing that Michael Wolff uh, wrote in his book. The one thing that does ring true is the part about all the aides uh, coming to this uh, conclusion that he is unfit for office, and uh, they're just trying to struggle with the notion of is is serving does serving my country require me to stay here and try to keep things keep a lid on things? Um, I think that's what what's going on. Um, <laughs> uh, Eric, last question. And, you know, I don't know if you'll have a good answer for this, but you must hear it a lot from your readers. What can people do to, to, to support or defend independent media if it's under attack in this way and propaganda is being put out in this way? I mean, is it about writing letters to the FCC about the Sinclair thing? I mean, is there anything? I think, you know, journalists have journalists can write and publish and make make decisions consumers of journalism feel kind of helpless in a way when, when this is going on yeah no that that is a good question that is a really good question i mean i got to say i find comfort in 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 tweets uh, and social media postings from people who seem to understand journalism obviously subscribe to as many publications as you can i used to um sort of scoff when people, when i got ran into a paywall now i'm more inclined to pony up myself i've changed a lot on that on that front and i also think that um i also think that uh, that, that that feedback really does help when people when you see people on your email or on social media who say you know this is actually you know uh, a fair account this is actually an honest account that does a lot I think uh, for journalists um, because God knows there's so much crap out there that is just you know that is personal that is petty that is that that, that makes fun of you for you know how you look or you know, stuff like that and it, 
it's sort of tough to go home after that. <laughs> so um, we have yeah. fe- we have feelings too. Yeah, we do. Um, so anyway, you can't show them though. Then you get the thin skin uh, thing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, all right. I've been speaking to Eric Wemple. You can read his blog on thewashingtonpost.com or in the printed Washington Post. Eric, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much. You take care now. That's it for today's show. But I do have a couple of announcements. Trumpcast has been nominated for a Webby's People Choice Award in the News and Politics category. So go to the Webby's and vote for us. Second, I just wanted to endorse a podcast I love, Unorthodox, from Tablet Magazine. It's a show about Jewish culture. And boy, did their Passover show crack me up. You don't have to be Jewish to love Unorthodox. It's a brilliant, hilarious show that just happens to be Jewish. Very Jewish. Give it a try. Trumpcast was produced today by Jason DeLeon. John D. Domenico is back as our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Trumpcast.